This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to episode 61 of the Three Lions podcast. As always, my name is Russell Osborne. Right, here we are, senior men, back in action for the first time since the Nations League in June. We've got Bulgaria at Wembley, then Kosovo in Southampton. Coming up, we speak with both fans or experts, or basically people who know a little bit more about Bulgaria and Kosovo than I do. And also... England and Saints fan Steve Grant, who gives us a quick guide around the city of Southampton for those of us that have never been, i.e. me. Now, you may have heard the last episode that only came out a few days ago, one where I went over to Belgium to watch the Lionesses in their thrilling 3-3 draw. Been a great reaction to that one, thank you. Uh, If you've never been to a women's match before, perhaps it'll give you a flavour of what it's like. It is still available at threelionspodcast.com. The women, they play Norway in Bergen on Tuesday the 2nd, I think it is. Now, two squads were recently revealed. First, Gareth Southgate announced his 25-man squad on Thursday the 29th of August before the weekend's Premier League fixtures. So chances are, by the time this hits uh, hits the podcast lines... The names may have changed. And A.D. Bouvroyd picked his 23 the following day to face Turkey on the 6th of September and Kosovo on the 9th of September in two under-21 European Championship qualifying matches. So let's start with the senior team who are currently top of the Euro 2020 qualifying Group A. After two games, you may remember the 5-0 home win over the Czech Republic, followed by the 5-1 away win in Montenegro, both earlier in the year in March. So he's announced his team. It is as follows. Tom Heaton, Jordan Pickford and Nick Pope are the goalkeepers. Defenders, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben Chilwell... Joe Gomez, Michael Keane, who in fact his only goal came in the Montenegro 5-1 game. Harry Maguire recently moved to Manchester United. He's in Tyrone Mings, Aston Villa, one of the new boys. Danny Rose of Tottenham, Kieran Trippier, who was dropped for the Nations League squad uh, after uh, he then moved to Atletico Madrid. Has had a good start there. He is recalled. Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Like Tyrone Mings is one of the new boys. He did have one cap for the DR Congo uh, under-20 level. And he also had caps for the England under-20 and under-21s. He may have a chance to uh, start his England career with a cap against either Bulgaria or Kosovo. We'll wait and see. But he was, of course, a big money move in the summer from Crystal Palace to Manchester United. In the midfield, Ross Barkley of Chelsea, Jordan Henderson, uh, along with Raheem Sterling, are the two highest capped players, both with 51 caps. Uh, James Madison of Leicester, uh, he hasn't yet to play for the senior side, but was called up for the squad uh, for the Nations League games against Spain and Croatia. He's got nine under 21 caps. Mason Mounts of Chelsea, again, another new boy. Good start for Chelsea this season. Of course, he had a cracking year at Derby last year and there's another who's come through the England youth ranks. Good to see Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain back after a long injury period out. Declan Rice of West Ham, Harry Winks of Tottenham make up the midfield lineup. Forwards, we've got six of them. Harry Kane, uh, of course, England's current highest goal scorer, the current highest goal scorer, 22 goals to his name. Jesse Lingard, Manchester United. Marcus Rashford as well, Manchester United. Jaden Sancho, the youngest player in the squad at 19 years old, of course, at Borussia Dortmund. Raheem Sterling, like I said, he's got 51 caps alongside Jordan Henderson. He's already got four goals in the Euro 2020 qualifying campaign already. You may remember the hat-trick against Czech Republic and the one against Montenegro. 
and Callum Wilson. Three caps, one goal to his name already. Although really it should have been two with that disallowed one in the Nations League. Sorry to uh, bring that back to you. But just on the stats front, caps-wise, a cumulative figure of 386 caps between the 25. An average age of 24 and a half years old. And we've got 56 goals within that squad. Players that are out... Probably the major absentee uh, is Kyle Walker. Uh, Although Gareth Southgate did mention the return of Kieran Trippier. Nothing against Kyle Walker, he says, but I just want to try out the likes of um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kieran Trippier, potentially Tyrone Mings, Danny Rose, all at the back. Kyle Walker is is supposedly happy with that. But out with injuries, Deli Alley, Eric Dyer, Fabian Delph and John Stones... There's also talk of Burnley's Ashley Barnes being overlooked. Likewise, Jack Grealish at Villa. Ashley Barnes currently with four goals to his name at the time of recording in the Premier League. So, yeah, maybe maybe he should be looking at those. Perhaps he, I'm sure he is, uh, but we'll wait and see. With regards to teams being made up of this squad, Aston Villa have two, Everton two, Burnley won, Liverpool have got four in there, alongside Manchester United have also got four, Leicester two, Tottenham three, Atletico Madrid with the one, Chelsea have got two, West Ham one, Borussia Dortmund, of course Jadon Sancho, there's the one, Manchester City, just Raheem Sterling, Bournemouth just the one. So that is our squad for the games to face Bulgaria and Kosovo. And just to keep you up to speed with the under-21s, as I mentioned, they are playing Turkey away on the 6th of September. Then Kosovo at Hull on the 9th of September. Aidy Bouvroyd will be hoping for a better results following the summer's under-21 championships where, frankly, the results didn't go our way against Romania and France and we were out before the postcards got home. The squad is announced as a fair few recognisable names in it. Of course, the opportunity for progression is there with three of the new players in the senior squad, were part of that summer under-21 squad. But here is A.D. Bouvroyd's squad that he has named. See how many of these you recognise. Perhaps they come from your team. Uh, In goal, Ellery Balcombe from Brentford. Aaron Ramsdale, AFC Bournemouth. Nathan Trott from Wimbledon, although he's currently on loan from West Ham. At the back, Max Ahrens, Norwich. Trevor Shaloba from Huddersfield. Ben Godfrey, Norwich. Mark Gouy from Chelsea, James Justin, Leicester, Jonathan Panzo, currently at Monaco, Stephen Sessegnon, Fulham, Ben Wilmot, Swansea, currently on loan from Watford in the midfield, Todd Campwell, Norwich, Tom Davis, Everton, Phil Foden, Manchester City. Will his chance come for the senior squad during this campaign? We will see. Morgan Gibbs-White, Wolves, Dwight McNeil-Burnley, Omar Richards, Reading, Oliver Skip, Tottenham, Joe Willock of Arsenal uh, up front, Rian Brewster of Liverpool, Mason Greenwood, Manchester United, Reese Nelson, Arsenal, and Eddie Aketia, uh, currently at Leeds but on loan from Arsenal. So there's your under 21 squad. We'll, of course, recap those results along with the Lionesses' result against Norway in the next podcast that looks back on all of these games. We head to Sofia, and I'm really pleased we'll be able to speak to Matodi Shumanov, who is a freelance journalist for the likes of The Guardian and 442. Matodi, hello. Hello, hello, Russell. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Yourself? I'm perfectly fine, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you and looking forward to the Wembley game as well. That's right. The Wembley game, England versus Bulgaria, comes up this forthcoming Saturday. What's the feeling in Bulgaria? What What are your thoughts on it? Well, the the excitement is is building up. Um, unfortunately, uh, well, we have a new coach, um, and this is Kasimir Balakov. Maybe some of your listeners uh, remember him. He was. Uh, a really good midfielder back in the 90s. And he used to play for Sporting Lisbon and then Stuttgart. 
he was voted uh, Stuttgart's best ever foreign player. So he was a midfield maestro and he took over the national team a few months ago. But his first two games in charge uh, didn't go according to plan. Uh, we lost to both the Czech Republic and Kosovo. So the, the chances of uh, qualifying for a major tournament are really slim. But we, yeah, we are not uh, giving up on our hopes that easily. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's good to hear. I mean, without wanting to rub salt in the wounds, you are currently bottom of the of Group A. It hasn't been the best start, has it? Two draws, and you say those two defeats to the Czech Republic and Kosovo. Um, I mean, the, the last tournament that Bulgaria qualified was quite a while ago, wasn't it? Back in 2004, the European Championships. Indeed, that's true. And uh, it's a pity because uh, back then uh, we still had Dimitar Berbatov, Stylian Petrov and Martin Petrov. I'm sure yeah, the audience in the UK is really well familiar with uh, the three of them. Um, unfortunately, right now we don't have... Uh, Players uh, at that level, uh, we hope that maybe in the near future um, our country will be able to produce some great footballing talents uh, as was in the past. Uh, but right now we, we've been struggling and as you just mentioned, our last appearance uh, at a major tournament was in 2004 uh, and we've been waiting for like for a new appearance for a new tournament uh, ever since. Well, well, just run through some of the players that are currently in the squad that we should that we should know about or we should look out for. Who who could be the star player for Bulgaria at Wembley? Okay, uh, definitely you should keep a close eye on Captain Evelyn Popov. He was uh, voted Bulgaria Player of the Year for three consecutive years. It was between 2015 and 2017. And then last year, uh, Kiryu Despodov was selected uh, as the best player in the country. Uh, and Despodov, um, at the beginning of this year, signed for Italian side Caleri. Uh, but uh, he's, uh, he's been struggling to to adapt uh, to life in Italy. So now we, we really hope that he can bet, uh, get back to, to his best uh, because he has a lot of potential and I hope that he, he can perform well at Wembley. Um, and apart from that, um, maybe we, we have, unfortunately, some, some injured players. For example, the midfielder Georgi Kostadinov. Uh, he was supposed to be in the starting 11. He plays in the Russian league, but he will miss out on, on the upcoming game at Wembley because of knee injury. Uh, so there are some, yeah, some problems. Uh, there are actually two Brazilian players that have been called up to the national team. Uh, maybe this will be interesting uh, for you because um, one of them uh, will make his debut and the other one, he's called Marcelinho. Uh, he's the playmaker, uh, the, the attacking midfielder of uh, Bulgarian champions Ludo Goretz. Mm. And the other Brazilian is uh, Vanderson and he's uh, his Ludo Goretz teammate. So two Brazilians from Bulgarian champions Ludo Goretz. Um, in the national side, and maybe they have um, the the ability and the quality to add some uh, Brazilian magic <laughs> to, <laughs> to our team at Wembley. We yeah. like a bit of Brazilian magic. I mean, how have the um, the Bulgarian people taken to these players from Brazil being incorporated into the team? As you might imagine, uh, some of the fans are are happy because uh, they think that. This might uh, increase the, the quality within the team and boost our chances. Although, of course, uh, if we have to be uh, realistic, um, even a draw at Wembley would be a huge surprise and a very decent result uh, for our team, given our recent performances. 
And of course, there are some fans uh, who are a bit upset because uh, they think that like the, the national side belongs to to the Bulgarian players, and mm. this way, uh, the Brazilians are taking the place of of some uh, talented Bulgarian players. But uh, if I have to be honest, um, we are a lack we are lacking um, a bit of um, footballing talent right now. So maybe they will be the boost we need let's see maybe um i mean a a bulgarian team that i remember um really well and if you don't mind me reminiscing just a little bit but if we go back to 1994 and the world cup there bulgaria they finished third and obviously that it was almost their own golden generation wasn't it stoichkov lechkov balakov all those amazing players what what were your memories of that era Oh, this was uh, the best footballing moment ever for the entire country. You know, like um, until uh, 1989, Bulgaria was under a communist regime. And people like to say that this unforgettable summer in the US in 1994 um, was the best thing that ever happened to uh, to Bulgaria after the fall of communism. This was the moment that the whole uh, nation uh, felt really united and was really strong together and we we defied the odds you know before that tournament uh, Bulgaria had never won a single game at the World <laughs> Cup wow. and our initial goal and initial aim was to go there uh, to the US and to clinch our first ever World Cup victory we lost to Nigeria in the opener uh, so people back in Bulgaria were really upset and disappointed, and some of them thought that this team uh, would never going to uh, would never achieve uh, that that goal to register the first ever win. But then we managed to beat Greece for new. Uh, then we beat Argentina, and we advanced from the group stage. Uh, we reached the knockout stages. Then we we beat Mexico on penalties. Uh, it was uh, an incredible night, and I I had the chance to to speak to one of the penalty heroes recently. His name is uh, Boncho Genchev, and he used to play for Ipswich. Uh, he was actually the first Bulgarian to to play in the Premier League uh, back in the nineties, maybe. Some of you remember him. Yes. And uh, yeah, he was the, the guy who scored the first uh, penalty for Bulgaria because before him, current coach Balakov had missed one for Bulgaria. Uh, then it was uh, Genchev's turn and he, he managed to score it. And he was telling me about the, the whole experience and he told me that uh, there were so many uh, Mexican fans in the stands, you know, in the U.S., so that uh, the the rivals uh, felt like they, they were playing at home uh, in front of their own crowd. But, um, yeah, as time went, uh, they started to, to feel the pressure and the burden of uh, the expectations of their own fans. Um, so our team, they, they were a fantastic bunch of, of players. And they held their nerves. Uh, Genchev scored, uh, and then the other the other guys did really well from the spot. And we managed to to go past uh, Mexico. Then we beat current world champions at the time, Germany, which was an unbelievable achievement. Yeah. And we were a go down, and then we we managed to come back and win from behind. Toichkov scored that day. And it was uh, the birthday of uh, one of his daughters oh, uh, right. that day. Yeah, and he he said after the game that um, he was certain that he would score, and he wanted to to dedicate uh, that goal to to his uh, girl. And then Lechkov scored, and he back at the time he used to play in, in Germany, but he was not really loved by by local fans, uh, so he took it as uh, personal revenge on, right, on, on, the, on the Germans. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, we reached the semifinals against all odds. And uh, we met Italy. Uh, unfortunately, we lost 2-1. Uh, 
um, we still think that we uh, should have uh, gotten a penalty uh, for for handball from Costa Curta, um, mm. but the French referee didn't give it, and because some of us uh, like to act as um, uh, conspiracy theorists, <laughs> and um, because Bulgaria qualified for the World Cup at the expense of France, Costa uh, uh. didn't scored yeah, yeah back in uh, November uh, 1993, uh, we beat. The French team uh, in Paris, two-one, with a last-minute winner from Kostadinov. And was was that when um, Eric Cantona um, yes. took the ball? I, I'm trying to remember. Did he take the ball into the corner flag, and it and it just all went wrong, and, and Bulgaria broke away? I I think I <clears> think <throat> it was Genoa. Genoa, uh, yeah, Genoa, who made this uh, serious mistake. Yeah, that was the that was the game, and that was the moment. So um, when Kostadinov scored in the very last minute of the game, uh, there was one really famous uh, Bulgarian pundit um, who who started shouting, "God is Bulgarian! God is Bulgarian!" <laughs> and this is one of our uh, favorite footballing phrases even nowadays. Yeah. Oh right. Well, perhaps we'll hear "God is Bulgarian" from the uh, from the Bulgarian end at Wembley. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. Let's see. Uh, of course, 25 years later, mm, things look very different now. Mm. And um, our expectations are, mm, it, it goes without saying that they are not that high. But we are proud of our footballing past and we hope for the best to, to come in the very near future. Well, we've got two opportunities to, to see Bulgaria in action. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we've got the Wembley game coming up, and then in October, uh, we travel to Sofia. Um, so it'd be good to to maybe speak again ahead of that game if you, if you're open to that. Sure, my pleasure, of course. Well, <laughs> well, let's let's do that. Let's put something in the diary. But Matodi, thank you very much for joining us. Um, yeah, as I say, you are a freelance journalist. Just give us a, a quick snapshot of of what you do and and where people can maybe contact you. Of course. Uh, well, I'm on, on Twitter. Uh, my uh, account name is uh, Schumansko, uh, and they can look out for, for me on Twitter. I'll be very happy to, to help um, any English fans with some tips ahead of their October visit <laughs> to Sofia. And I also work for, for The Guardian for 442 um, and their go to men in Bulgaria and whenever there is a good story to to tell the whole world about I'm I'm the man in Bulgaria so I'm trying to keep the the pulse on everything interesting that is happening in in Bulgarian football and I'm writing uh, some pieces uh, and I'm really active on, on Twitter. So if people are into Balkan football, <laughs> they can keep an eye on, on my account. Okay. Well, that's great, Matodi. Well, uh, of course, link to, to your Twitter account through ours. Uh, and I'd just like to say thank you once again for joining us on the Three Lions podcast and enjoy the game. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and enjoy the game. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, England play their first home international qualifying match away from Wembley since 2006. It's against Kosovo, and it's on Tuesday the 10th of September. It's being played at Southampton's St Mary's Stadium. Now, I've never been to Southampton, and I dare say some listeners haven't even either. So I thought, we need to get the lowdown on the area. And who better than England home and away supporter Steve Grant, who also happens to be a Southampton fan and developer of saintsweb.co.uk. Steve. Oh yeah, how are you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for joining us on the Three Lions podcast. You're a Southampton fan? Uh, yes, for my sins. Certainly been an interesting uh, last decade or so. I think uh, we'd kind of been sort of one of those one of those teams that kind of just drifted in mid mid table Premier League sort of mediocrity for many years, but last decade has been has kind of livened things up somewhat. So uh, yeah, it's been been fun and games for the most part. 
Well, it's uh, as you say, mid-table mediocrity. Maybe this season it'll be a uh, a little bit better. Maybe. Well, to be honest, I, th- I think most of us would probably take mid-table mediocrity for a season, having had a couple of um, hideous relegation battles. I mean, occasionally you've got to take the uh, take the ups with the downs, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Cup run as well. That'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been pretty good in cups the last last five or six years. But not quite managed to get it over the line, even when, I mean, we should have beaten United in that League Cup final, but dodgy linesman VAR would have given us the goal. And uh, who knows, things might have been a bit different, but that's them's the breaks. You don't get the decisions against the big clubs anymore. That's football, isn't it? Yeah. Now St Mary's, Southampton, England playing there. What's what's Southampton like? I've never been. Give me the, uh, give me the lowdown. It's it's not a bad city, I, th- I think, for the for the size of it. It's about a quarter of a million people, sort of spanning out out into the sort of suburbs and sort of small towns dotted around outside. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's a it's a port city, so all the cruise liners um, tend to come and go from from Southampton. So there's always plenty of tourists around. The city's now starting to make a little bit more of its uh, of its heritage. So there's obviously um, a lot of stuff dedicated to the Titanic. Which I mean, you'd ordinarily think wouldn't be something that you'd want to publicise, but I think mm-hmm. I think around three hundred people from the city uh, were on board. I think that's that's obviously a, ma- a major reason why they've why they've gone down that route. And yeah, I mean, the the city's got a got a long sort of maritime history. Um, it's not a not a naval naval port like our good friends down the road, but it's um, but it's got a got a lot of uh, a lot of history from the from the port and and docking and and that sort of thing, but there's there's been a lot of lot of work going on in, in the city for the last five or six years really. I mean, pretty much since I since I left the place. Every time I go back, like the the sort of two or three months in the off season, when I when I go back for the first game of the season, something major has changed. Massive shopping centre has been um, been extended. It's pretty much doubled in size now, predominantly with. Sort of restaurants and bars and, and things like that and I mean the council came in for all kinds of stick for probably the best part of 20 years but to be fair to them the last last decade or so they've um they've pulled their finger out and up, up their game a little bit and it's it's a much much more pleasant uh pleasant city to wander around loads of options for food and drink as I say shopping for for anyone who wants to wants to blow their money on on all kinds of stuff and of course the and the stadium's uh, not not far from the city centre either. It's only about a ten-minute walk or so for for those of us who don't don't walk at uh, Google Maps speed. <laughs> yeah, so the it's, it's I mean St Mary's is one of the few sort of I mean, say I say modern stadium, but it's been open what, best part of twenty years now, which is mildly terrifying to think think that back. Um, but it's one of the few modern stadia that's still got a relatively sort of inner city location. Yeah. Um, so while the likes of Derby and Reading and Middlesbrough, their grounds that were all kind of built around the same time and all pretty much look the same, um, all those ones are miles outside of town. Um, St Mary's is still kind of a stone's throw, really, from pubs and getting anywhere near anywhere sort of into the city centre. Right. And I say getting into the city centre, I guess many people will be driving down the M3 and some coming by train into Southampton Central. Yeah, uh, train stations are on the main line from London Waterloo, and there are some trains that come from the Midlands as well. Uh, I think there's basically one an hour that goes from Manchester down through Birmingham and Reading, and then that kind of rejoins rejoins the line at Basingstoke. I think. Yeah, the yeah the main main motorway is the M3, obviously down down from London. You can join that from the M25, and again um, a a34 from the Midlands joins you up with the M40. So tra- in terms of transport, it's it's not badly placed with the obvious caveat that if you get stuck stuck in an ac- behind an accident yeah. somewhere, then you're, you're kind of stuffed, really. Yeah. But you always kind of hope, hope for the best in those situations. Yeah. With regards to supporters, we all like a, a pre-match beer. Um, obviously, it happens every other week down in Southampton. What, what are the best sort of pubs and locations that people tend to, uh, to frequent? Uh, there's... There's generally a sort of row of kind of a row of half decent pubs on the walk directly between the station and the ground. So the road's called Above Bar, 
and you've got i mean there's there's a couple of the sort of usual suspects so yates's slug and lettuce those sort of places those are the those are actually the pubs where away fans for club games are usually kind of herded into once they get off the train yeah um if you um take a left at the main at the main junction there instead of going right to those pubs if you take a left you've got the spitfire and uh, the scholar's arms which are um i mean for for saints games are very much sort of majority home fan home fan pubs and you can take take a wander from there up there towards london road and there's probably another seven or eight seven or eight different uh different boozers there I and mean, you've got got weather spoons uh there's a couple of um sort of belgian uh themed bars there's one one that's kind of down in the basement which i mean on a day as we're recording on a day like today would be absolutely hideous because it'd be absolutely <laughs> roasting but um, in September, when it's a little bit cooler, that'll probably still be quite quite pleasant. And yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of options, you, and you can you could even walk walk down as far as um, as the waterfront. There's part of town called Ocean Village. There's, I mean, there's a couple of proper sort of posh Ponzi hotels down there, um, but also um, some nice bars and restaurants. Which, if the, if the sun's out, then that's a that's a good spot to be in um, for an early evening. I think. Yeah, well, it sounds good. And I don't know if you know this, but are there any Kosovan links to Southampton? Uh, not that Fair. I'm aware of, no. No? Um, no. I mean, from, from what I gather, they're getting an allocation of about 300. So I can't imagine there's going to be that many there, which I guess is is kind of reflective of that there's that there's probably no no real links to the city. Um, I'm not sh- not sure of... Not sure of anywhere in in the country that's got sort of real Kosovan um, links, unless there was any sort of mass sort of influx of refugees during the um, during the relatively recent conflict there. Yeah, I guess it can't, can't be a London can't, thing. Yeah, I can't can't think of anywhere that's that's got any sort of known districts um, for that sort of thing. No, thank you very much for giving us the lowdown. Now you are the are you. Developer of SaintsWeb.co.uk is that right? Yes, yeah. Well, I own the site, and I mean, I'm a, I'm a web developer by by trade, so I've kind of built bits and pieces onto it um, okay. in spare time. And that's I see you. You are the number one independent Southampton website. Is that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, in terms of in terms of membership, we've got I think about twelve thousand members. Okay. I mean, a- active membership is Jim. Sort of in terms of people who are on. At any sort of any given month is usually about fifteen hundred to two thousand. I think people people kind of come and go as and when there's actually stuff to talk about. Okay, well, where can we find you on social media? Should you want to give that away? Uh, all the all my social media channels are the same. It's uh, Steve Grant nineteen eighty three. Lovely, Steve. Well, uh, enjoy the game, um, and I enjoy. Or I hope to enjoy coming down to Southampton and having a uh, having a nose around. Yeah, nice one. Now we're going live to Pristina in Kosovo, where I'm really pleased to be joined by Arban Barisha, who's who's joining us. He's a sports commentator um, from Kosovo. Arban, hello. Hello there, Russell. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Three Lions podcast. Thank you for having me. Sports commentator. That sounds exciting. Is that for television or radio? Uh, I am actually a television sports commentator, mainly a football commentator, although I'm not that um, old. I have been doing this uh, job for the last 18 years. I started as a 21 years old, right after the, um, the, the war was finished here. So I've been doing this job for like now 18 years for the national broadcaster here in Kosovo. What an exciting job! So I guess you've seen, you've seen a lot of the world, have you? Following Kosovo? Yes, indeed. I have been so lucky to like cover so many global sporting events, including like on-site coverage of four FIFA World Cups, three UEFA European Championships, like six Champions League finals, UEFA Europa League final, UEFA Super Cup. Um, uh, international or global uh, athletics championships as well as two Olympic Games. So I've been very, very lucky to cover uh, these global events, set aside uh, so many other different um, global sporting events, which I have 
commentated from uh, from our studio here in Pristina. Well, you can you can add the Three Lions podcast to that CV now as well. I will. I will. <laughs> Well, well, obviously the game uh, England against Kosovo, the first of two games coming up very soon. What was the reaction in Kosovo when England were drawn out of that hat in Group A? Right. Uh, it is actually something we expected because we've been like member UEFA, as you may already know, for only three years. We um, gained membership into UEFA and FIFA, as you know in 2016 and it is uh, it was actually something we expected right from the beginning although we did not uh, get into the same group with England uh, for the 2018 FIFA World Cup we then um, uh, realized that we were in the same group with England in the uh, qualifiers for the 2020 the reason uh, this was something that we actually expected and this was something that we actually uh, wanted to was because the English Football League, top tier, the English Premier League has been broadcasting Kosovo for the last 20 years. I myself have been lucky to commentate the English Premier League for nine seasons continuously uh, and we have been like... Uh, um, more, uh, let's say, fun with the English Premier League in the last 20 years. Uh, in the 90s, when uh, we had actually no television here, because as you already know, due to political reasons, we were uh, in a different in, in part of a different country. We had no television, but we were more fun with Italian uh, football. But once the war was finished here, uh, the national broadcaster, which I work for, uh, decided to uh, broadcast the English Premier League, which at that time, 2000, 2001, was kind of risky here because of the population who were, as I said, more fun to the Italian league. So it was kind of risky, but mm. we decided to. And now, when we see from this perspective, English Premier League has gained a very, very popularity here, in, the, in, in the, not only in Kosovo, in the region as well, as you may already know, due to figures. Mm. So uh, this has uh, brought to a an opinion to the people here that English uh, or a, the England team is something we want to play against or not to beat the England team because they are uh, far far away from us but we wanted to have the English players here we have which uh, we have uh, actually seen uh, on TV for, for the uh, couple of years so it's quite exciting it was almost written in the stars that you knew it would happen. It, it is, actually. It is. Yeah. It is something that, as, as you may ask, the, the first English or the first uh, match against England, which will be played on the 10th of uh, September, which is like next, today, next Tuesday, we expected to have this match being played at Wembley. And that was something we opposed, if I may say, to the uh, decision of the English Football Association, although uh, we, we, we are not the ones to decide about it. But we wanted the match to be played at Wembley, if I may continue. Yes, this. yeah, of course. Because, as, as you may know, uh, there's a big number of Kosovan diaspora living in, in the UK, especially in a London area. Because there was the the immigrants of of Kosovo which emigrated there during the 90s, so we have a, a great number of diaspora over there which uh, still um, support the England team. But when England plays Kosovo, of course they will uh, support Kosovo. So it would be a very huge excitement, um, a very great day had the match been played in, at Wembley. But uh, since the um, England FA decided the match to, bleed, to be played at Southampton, uh, it was kind of a desperation for people over here because not maybe all of the people who wanted to attend the match could attend this match due to the um, um, seat capacity of uh, the St. Mary's Stadium. Yeah, I, I can well imagine the, uh, the disappointment of not being able to play at Wembley. Uh, but fortunately, I mean, Southampton is only a couple of hours away from Wembley, um, if, if there is a, a plus side that we can put on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a shame that the, the supporters and the players indeed can't 
get that opportunity to to play at Wembley. But you never know in the future if we are drawn again in a yeah. uh, in a in a friendly or in a World Cup group. We never know. Um, I mean, the the players we, we reference them there. Uh, who who in the the team should we be looking out for? Maybe you've seen the news during uh, the last week or the couple of weeks, as as you may know. We are actually, unfortunately, missing a couple of uh, great players due to injuries mainly. We will be missing uh, two of our main players, Miljot Rashica, who plays for the German side Werder Bremen, as well as Arber Zanelli, who has been our uh, Footballer of the Year for 2018, who plays for uh, the French side Stade de Reims. Uh, we are also uh, missing um, our both main uh, Defensive midfielder Cruzio uh, and Shada, they will still uh, be missing due to injuries. So uh, I don't know if I may say this, but England is like kind of lucky we're missing these players because <laughs> we would have caused troubles to you. I'm sure about that. And you will see. But still, even when we're missing those four players, four team starters, we still have some other good talent who's like waiting uh, for uh, its turn to get into the match and to um, to be part of, of this uh, very, very promising national team. So far in, in Group A, you've drawn two, uh, drawn the, the initial game against Bulgaria, then drew to Montenegro, then, then beat Bulgaria. You've got the Czech game before right. you come to England. Do you think that you, or Kosovo, are capable of, of getting out of Group A um, I'm gonna gonna sound a little biased here um, by coming as as runners up in Group A. Yeah, I mean you're right. We that's what we actually planned initially. Uh, we always thought England is gonna be the first, but the second position will be like reserved or booked for for Kosovo mm-hmm. team because, as you may already know, uh, last year we had a very very good uh, performance in the UEFA Nations League, which I know England doesn't like because of other reasons but it is a competition new competition for smaller countries like ours so we had a very good performance in the uefa nations league and when you see the results that we gained like we already have um, booked our place in the playoffs for uh, next march uh, if like we miss the chance to qualify for the 2020 euros this year then we still got the second chance as you may already mm. know but I think, and people are ready here to, uh, let's say, take the chance, the first chance to qualify directly uh, for the Euro 2020, because as you mentioned, we drew against Bulgaria first, then we drew away uh, from, uh, against Montenegro. We still regret we didn't uh, win uh, these two matches, because if you see the statistics and everything, Kosovo was a much better side than uh, their opponents, especially the first match against Bulgaria, which we drew at home 1-1, although we, we missed so many chances. And then we drew away against Montenegro, then we beat Bulgaria away, and we were lucky to have this like kind of uh, schedule or uh, match fixture because England was busy in June playing in the uh, Nations League Final Four. So England has only played uh, two matches, we played um, three matches so far. We've gained five points, but we still think and we regret why didn't we uh, gain nine points for, uh, from the last or the first three matches because it was possible. If we yeah. won against Bulgaria away, we could have won against Bulgaria home. Uh, but it didn't happen. Let's see and let's hope against the Czech Republic we will like, kind of compensate those points Although we we know it is going to be difficult, it's going to be it's not going to be easy at all. Uh, but we don't consider ourselves mainly. I mean, I mean truly, we don't consider ourselves as underdogs. We respect the opponent. This is our mentality. We respect the opponents, but we are not afraid of them. I don't want to uh, be uh, to sound like I um, we can do everything, you know, but. Mm. Um, Bearing in mind the, the quality of the players and the quality of the team and the quality of the uh, coaching staff which uh, uh, has brought or have brought these results for the last two years, um, it is a fair expectation, you know. 
Yeah. No, I, I've I've noticed that you're currently ranked in the FIFA ranking 120, and and I do agree with you. I I think that that you are better than that. I think that is slightly misleading, but I think it is is really due to the the circumstances in which you've arrived on the the European scene. It's just going to take a little while for you to sort of work your way up, and and people will really notice you. That's true. That's true, Russell, because the reason why we are like ranked at that position currently is because, we'll, we'll, as I said, we are a member of UEFA FIFA uh, only for three years. So, and we had to start from, from the last position. Can you imagine that? I, I couldn't, but I can, I can imagine it's hard. 210. We were like 210 three years ago. And that we made this progress. We are come halfway through where we, like, uh, wanted to be and you, you, can you imagine like it's almost two years we haven't uh, had any uh, defeat for almost two years the last defeat Kosovo suffered was two years ago in uh, the qualifiers against Iceland qualifiers for the 2018 FIFA World Cup at that time we have a, had a different coach and then we changed the coach we have a Swiss coach which, which has brought this huge uh, changes in terms of results and quality of the players. We have the same group of players with some very small um, differences, but we have an, a different mentality. Uh, even mm. at that time, when we actually had very poor results in the qualifiers for the FIFA World Cup, we knew we had a better team than the, result, the results uh, told us. But at that time, we also knew that we needed a different coach in order to turn this quality of the players and the quality of this team into better results. So now, it's been like, as I said, uh, almost two years, 14 matches. We are the only team in Europe, as you may already know, and not only in Europe, that we've gone 14 matches without defeat, including um, uh, friendly matches, the UEFA Nations League last year, as well as the qualifiers. For the Euro 2020 this year, uh, it's, it's an amazing record uh, and one I'd hope that England can spoil for you. But no, I mean full credit for for coming from 200th in the ranking up to where you are now, and, and I can only foresee um, that you're going to be getting into the single figures ranking um, within the next two years. It, it's got to happen, Let's really. So. Let's hope so. That's mm-hmm. it's kind of very big aspiration, you know, getting into that uh, into that position. But let's just not uh, forget the uh, the route we've gone through. You know, it's been very very difficult. We started from the uh, top position. I mean, the the bottom position. But of course, uh, we're we're gonna need uh, some more time in order to prove ourselves that we are we are a very um, footballing talent talented nation in 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 the region. Our advantage is that we have a very young team which promises yep. to bring results in in the future. So let's just hope we will continue like this. Uh, it would be like a great result if we uh, qualify for the Euro 2020. However, if we do not, I do not consider this as a failure because we have made such a great progress in the last uh, two years. Yeah, certainly a a country to keep our eyes on. Uh, now you're going to be coming over to England, I believe. Is that right? Yes, I will be there. I will be uh, flying uh, along with the uh, with the with the players right after the match we have with the Czech Republic here in Pristina on the seventh of September. Then the, the team will fly to Bournemouth Airport on the ninth, just uh, one day before the match against England. So I'll be flying in the same uh, airplane with the players. Wow, exciting. Well, are you going to be commentating on the game for, for Kosovan TV? Not this time, actually. I will be doing some other stuff like uh, interviews and the uh, interviews with the players after the match, interview with the fans, uh, like sending stories to to my country and stuff like that, which is a, a, bit, a big excitement. Very exciting. Well, I, I wish you a safe trip um, over to to Bournemouth and onwards to Southampton, uh, and obviously in, enjoy the game, enjoy the English hospitality. If you're open to to people getting in touch with you on social media, are you open to that? Of course, no problem about that. I'd be pleased to like meet 
people. I've been a couple of times in England and I've uh, watched a couple of games over there, like Champions League finals and the Community Shield nice. finals and stuff like that. And I have so many friends there in London, mainly in London area. So uh, why not? I mean, and, and one thing I forgot to mention is that, mm. let's see, I mean, of course, England is a top favorite for the group. We don't like, we don't think it would be a huge, um, <laughs> I mean, excitement if we manage to get one point from England this time. But by the time we will be playing England the second match, uh, when they come to visit Kosovo in, in November, I hope England at that time, they are already qualified for the Euro 2020, so they will not be needing the old <laughs> points, you know, against yes. us. So at that time, we would be in a position to, like, if we draw against uh, England, then that point, that single point against England will, uh, will qualify us for the Euro 2020. Well, we, we shall wait and see. And, and likewise, I look forward to, to coming over to Pristina for the, the return leg in November. It's something I'm looking, looking forward to very much so. Um, just to recap, your, your, well, we shall stay in touch. Uh, your, your social media, your Twitter is Arben Barisha, A-R-B-E-N-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. And I will, of course, link to that on, on our own social media pages. Arben, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, enjoy the game. Thank you very much, Russell, for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I think we will enjoy both of the match. Thank you. There we go. Enjoyed that one. Hope you have too. Thank you for listening. If you're off to Wembley or Southampton, or both, safe journey. Let's hope we can come away with all six points, which bearing a major catastrophe will pretty much see us through, by my reckoning. For the record, I think we'll start with Pickford in goal, back four of Rose, Maguire, Keane and Trent Alexander-Arnold in midfield, Henderson, Barkley and Rice, and a forward three of Kane, Sterling and Sancho. And if I was to predict a score against Bulgaria, well, we scored five against both Czech Republic and Montenegro. I think we can get five again. Thanks to Matodi Shumanov for the Bulgaria angle, Steve Grant for guiding us around Southampton, and Arben Barisha for the Kosovo perspective. Links to all those guys can be found via our Twitter page. As before, please do spread the word, like, subscribe and review at your usual podcast download place. Uh, I mentioned Twitter there. Our handle is at 3LionsPodcast. You can also find us on Facebook and I've finally sorted out Instagram. Again, just search 3LionsPodcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the usual places, but most importantly, 3LionsPodcast.com. Dot com. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you again soon when we'll go back over all these games. Cheers. Cheers.